0: Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, DC Lundberg. It's Friday night, gang, or Friday evening at the very least. Thank you again to JM for introducing this show. This is Locked On Mariners, and this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you can think of. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners Podcast or Locked On Anything Podcast, any of the programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network or TLOPN or TLOPN. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter as well at DC underscore Lundberg. That's L-U-N-D-B-E-R-D if you're scoring at home. We are going to conclude this week looking at one of the more special seasons in Seattle Mariners history, 2001. There are not words in the English language sufficient to describe just how special that season was. Randy Johnson was traded away a couple of years ago. Griffey was traded away prior to the 2000 season. And after an... Interesting contract negotiation. Shortstop, Alex Rodriguez followed the money and signed a 10-year, $252 million contract with the Texas Rangers after stating that he wanted to play for a winner, which was an obvious lie but enough about him. The losses the M's incurred over the previous two and a half years can't be ignored. They were all fan favorites and star players. On the other hand, the Mariners made some very smart acquisitions prior to the 2000 and 2001 seasons. Stan Javier, Mark McLemore, and Kazuhiro Sasaki had been picked up prior to the 2000 season and all contributed. Prior to 2001, the Mariners picked up a number of key free agents. Second baseman Brett Boone and relief pitcher Jeff Nelson were both reacquired by the team after previously spending time with the Mariners, along with the Sheriff Norm Charlton, who was making a try at a comeback attempt and was signed to a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training. He made the team out of spring and pitched well in middle relief. And of course, coming over from Japan was new right fielder Ichiro Suzuki. No one really knew what to expect from Ichiro. No position player had ever come over from Nippon Pro Baseball before, only pitchers, and that was with Mixed success. He had hit the daylights out of Japanese pitching, but would that translate into stateside success? Short answer yes. Major League Baseball went to an unbalanced schedule for the 2001 season meaning that teams would play their division rivals more than teams in other divisions. The Mariners began the season against the Oakland Athletics on April 2nd at Safeco Field. Freddie Garcia started the ball game for the M's, but he just didn't have it. He was removed in the 4th inning after giving up 4 runs, all of them earned and walking 5. However, those 4 runs were all the A's would score that day. Brett Tomko, who had been a in the Ken Griffey Jr. deal, pitched three and two-thirds solid innings of relief of Garcia. With the score 4-2 in the Athletics' favor in the bottom of the seventh, Ichiro led off the inning with his first Major League hit. Mike Cameron then walked, sending Ichiro to second. Edgar nailed a single to right field, scoring Ichiro and sending Cammy to third. John Olerud then drove in Cameron with a single of his own to tie the ballgame. Arthur Rhodes pitched the eighth inning, allowing only a leadoff hit from Terrence Long to keep the game tied all at four. Four. Newly minted starting shortstop Carlos Guillen, who admittedly had very big shoes to fill, led off the bottom of the eighth with a walk. Ichiro then tried to sacrifice him to second, but pitcher Jim Messier's throw to first base was off the mark, sending Guillen all the way to third and Ichiro to second. Messier then intentionally walked Edgar Martinez to get to John Olerud. Ole hit a fly ball to left center field, deep enough to score Guillen from third base for a sacrifice fly to give the M's a 5-4 lead. Brett Boone grounded out to end the inning. Closer Kazuhiro Sasaki came in to pitch the ninth. He allowed a leadoff single to Jose Ortiz... But after Jason Giambi flew out, he got Olmedo signs to ground into a game-ending double play to give the M's the first of many victories in 2001. The M's were not victorious the following evening, but put the A's away in the third game of the series. Then, on Friday, April 6th, the Rangers came to town, meaning the return engagement of Alex Rodriguez. And ladies and gentlemen, I was at this game, and I must say, it was one of the most fun games I have ever been to. Whenever Rodriguez was in the batter's box or whenever he made a play on defense or whenever he was involved in the game at all, the crowd really let him have it, booed him heavily, even some were even throwing monopoly money from the upper deck onto the field. It was glorious. On the downside, the Mariners had stated that they would not allow any negative signs in the ballpark that day, and lots of clever signs were taken down by the ushers. One group of guys, a few rows behind us in the left field bleachers, had the word sellout painted letter by letter on their torsos with a dollar sign in place of the S, of course. They were ejected from the ballpark mid-game to cheers for them and boos for the security guard. Who in reality was only following orders? Another sign I remember said, Need a loan? Call 1-800-252-ALEX. Classic. Unfortunately, that one was also taken down before the game started. In any case, the M's won that series as well, which is something that Lou Pinella stressed during spring training and throughout the regular season. Winning series. In April, they not only won every series, but they lost 5 games all month, and never lost 2 in a row, finishing with a 20-5 and record, and at one point winning 9 in a row. They also went 15-4 and against the other teams in the AL West, announcing that they would indeed be a force to be reckoned with. May was almost just as kind to the M's. They lost two games in a row for the first time on April 29th and May 1st against the White Sox and Red Sox, respectively. The game against the White Sox was a 14-inning affair. Then on May 9th, they started what would be an 8-game winning streak. May ended with a 40 and 12 record and on a different eight game winning streak. This streak carried over into June and extended to 15 games to bring their record to an astounding 47 and 12. The rest of the league took notice, as did national fans. All-star game voting was occurring during this period, and there were multiple Mariners who were top vote getters at their positions. Even David Bell was the leading third baseman for a while before Cal Ripken Jr., who was retiring at season's end, overtook Bell late in the voting and was elected starter. At the break, the M's were an astonishing 63 and 24, and wound up sending seven players to the all-star game. By far, a club record and tied for the most of any team in baseball that year. As an added bonus, the All-Star Game was scheduled to take place at Safeco Field. Ichiro, John Olerud, and Edgar Martinez were elected as starters for the American League. Lou Pinella was also named to the squad as a coach. And while it is tradition to name the manager of the team who inhabits the All-Star Game's ballpark to a league's coaching staff, he was certainly deserving to be named to the team on the team's merits, and he probably would have been named even if the game weren't held in Seattle. On the other hand, Yankees manager Joe Torre, who managed the AL squad that year, chose only Freddie Garcia and Kaz Sasaki as reserves on the original roster, but chose many, many Yankees and named his own Roger Clemens as the team's starting pitcher. It was the Yankees' way of saying, you know what, you may take away the American League single season record for wins from us, but we'll still have more All-Stars than you. 710 Cairo postgame host New York Vinny was livid on the air when the rosters were announced. I distinctly remember him saying, I am pissed off! It was a fun postgame show, to say the least. Everyone knew what Torrey was up to. It was no secret, although I am positive he was simply following orders from George Steinbrenner. However, as it happened, there were two players originally chosen for the team who couldn't participate due to injuries, including the Yankees' Mariano Rivera. Because of this, Jeff Nelson and Mike Cameron were named to the roster. The game itself was also very special. Ichiro led off the bottom of the first inning against Randy Johnson, now with the Diamondbacks. He rolled a ground ball to first baseman Todd Helton of the Rockies, but beat his throw to Johnson, who was covering first base. Later in the game, Mike Cameron laced a base hit to left fielder Moises Alou of the Astros, but ran hard out of the box, made an aggressive turn around first base, and caught Alou napping a little bit, who assumed Cammy would be content to stop at first base with a single. Alou's throw to second was late and slightly off the mark, and Cammy earned a double for his efforts. The play of the game, though, has nothing to do with the Mariners. Future Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr., in his first at-bat of the game, hit a home run into the Safeco Field bullpen. Charlie Steiner, who was announcing the game for a national audience on radio, remarked, "'Who wrote this script?' A very good call for an unforgettable moment in the Iron Man's career. Ripken was named All-Star Game MVP, and he remarked that this All-Star Game was the most special to him upon receiving the award after the game. He also told the Seattle crowd that this season that they were enjoying was very special and told them they were lucky to have such a great team and a great ballpark. A very classy ending to a spectacular Midsummer Classic. Well, gang, I figured this was going to be something of a long show, and we are a little past due for a word from Withings. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. Well, a company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they're still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. With things, smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step-on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have this Wi-Fi option, which means you need to have your phone on you. But with things, Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and get this, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users one by one and even know who is who so here's the deal you can get 25% off a Withings with body plus right now at with dot com for a very limited time go to with dot com slash mlb w-i-t-h-i-n-g-s dot com slash m-l-b to get 25% off body plus body composition scale once again ladies and gentlemen w-i-t-h-i-n-g-s dot com slash m-l-b to get 25% off body plus body composition scale we will resume the 2001 mariner season after this word from another sponsor Welcome back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Welcome back to our recollection of the glorious 2001 Seattle Mariners season. After the All Star break, the Mariners picked up right where they left off as if they never missed a beat. They still, to that point, hadn't lost three games in a row and carried a 76 30 record into August, which itself began with four straight wins against the Tigers and Indians. August 5th, however, was one of the most bizarre games in the history of the team. Playing the Indians in Jacobs Field, the M's jumped out quickly to a 12 0 lead against former Mariner Dave Burba, who last a mere two innings and relief pitcher Mike Bassick in the bottom of the fourth with that 12 nothing deficit the Indians scored two which were countered by two more Mariner runs in the top of the fifth in the bottom of the seventh however the Indians really began to chip away scoring three in the seventh four in the eighth and five in the ninth to tie the ball game at 14-all. In the bottom of the 11th, after inducing the first batter to pop out, Jose Paniagua gave up two consecutive singles to Kenny Lofton and former Mariner Omar Vizquel to put runners at first and second. Holbert Cabrera then hit a single of his own to score the speedy Lofton from second and give the Indians an improbable 15-14 victory. That game was seemingly forgotten very quickly by the M's, however, as they beat the Indians the next day 8-6. That victory on August 6th was their 81st of the season, already clinching at least a 500 record. By the end of the month the Mariners had won an amazing 96 games but still hadn't clinched the Western Division the Oakland A's put together an amazing second half of their own including six winning streaks of five games or more including an 11-game winning streak and a 9-game winning streak in August and September the A's went 58 and 17 after the all-star break equating to an astounding 773 winning percentage percentage. The Mariners' first half winning percentage was seven hundred twenty-four and was seven oh seven in the second half, which are both still outstanding. The Mariners began September in Baltimore against the Orioles, who were not nearly the team they were just a few seasons ago. They then went to Tampa Bay where they'd win their one hundredth ballgame on September fifth. Then back home to face the Orioles once again on September 7th in another three-game series, which were to be Cal Ripken Jr.'s final games in Seattle. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I was at all three games. Prior to all three games of the series, the Mariners played a video for Cal showing their appreciation for him and what he had done for the game of baseball. In addition, prior to the third game, there was an on-field ceremony to allow the Seattle crowd to say goodbye to the Iron Man. The Mariners bestowed multiple gifts upon him, including a Mariners jersey with his name and uniform number 8 signed by the team and given to him by the Mariners' own number 8, Carlos Guillen. He also received a year's supply of Dungeness Crab. Another special moment I witnessed was Cal playing catch in the outfield with his son Ryan. Ryan is currently in the Orioles minor league chain as a first baseman, last year playing at both the advanced A and double A levels, hitting a combined 276. That entire series was another special memory of mine from this great season. And for those that don't know, Cal Ripken Jr. was my favorite player growing up. The M's swept the O's in that three-game series, which was in the midst of what would be a seven-game winning streak, bringing their record to 106-40. and 40. After the final game of that series, the M's traveled to Anaheim in what was to be a three-game series. On September 10th, the Mariners beat the Angels with Charles Gibson, another one of my all-time favorites, making one of his best diving catches. The next day, however, September 11th, 2001, The country was changed forever by the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. It was a very dark day for the entire country. Baseball and all other sports were rightfully put on hold while the nation attempted to heal. All these years later, I still feel compelled to take a moment of silence for the innocent people who lost their lives that day and for their families who were forever changed. Please join me as I take that moment of silence. Moments of silence are usually frowned upon in radio and in podcasting, but I don't care. That day changed my life forever. I was a complacent 16-year-old knucklehead who got a quick education and a kick in the ass. I very soon realized how damn lucky I was to be living in a free country, protected by the best men and women on the planet, and just how good I had it. The Major League Baseball season resumed exactly one week later, on Tuesday, September 18th. Back home at Safeco Field and with American flags all over the ballpark, the M's blanked the Angels for nothing, reducing their magic number to one. The next day, September 19th, the M shut out the Angels again, this time 5-0, Kazuhiro Sasaki inducing a pop-up on the infield to seal the American League West for the Mariners. What followed was a respectful, reserved victory lap around the warning track, led by Mark McLemore carrying an American flag. And, ladies and gentlemen, please excuse me if I don't make it through this next part without breaking up. I apologize in advance if I don't make it. It was very fitting that Mark McLemore was chosen to lead the march and carry the flag, as he was pretty much Mr. Everything for the Mariners that year. After the victory lap, the flag was brought to the pitcher's mound, where everyone knelt and prayed. It chokes me up thinking about it and talking about it, and I do admit I shed a few tears while writing this script. And I am amazed that I made it through the segment, quite honestly. There's no easy segue out of such a powerful scene, but we will move on. After the Mariners clinched the West, they lost the final game of the three-game series to Anaheim, and then went to the Oakland Coliseum to play the Red Hot A's and got swept. This was the first time all year they had lost three games in a row, let alone four. However, the M's then went to Texas and swept a three-game series in the ballpark in Arlington. They returned home for a three-game series against Oakland in which they won two of three to wrap up the month with a 111 and 45 record. The Mariners then traveled back to Anaheim to play the final two games of the three-game series which had been interrupted by the terrorist attacks. They won both of them. Four home games against the Texas Rangers followed to close out the regular season. Already on a three-game winning streak, the Mariners extended it to four in the first game of that series to win their 114th ballgame, tying the American League record, which was set in 1998 by the Yankees. They won the next day to break the AL record. Two games remained in the regular season. On the second to last day, Saturday, October 6th, the Mariners sought their 116th victory, which would tie the Major League Baseball record held by the 1906 Cubs. Brett Boone hit a solo home run in the first inning to give the M's a quick lead. However, Doug Davis shut down the M's the rest of the way, tossing a complete game and only giving up four hits. However, the Mariners' pitching staff was up for the challenge. In what wound up being a bullpen game, Denny Stark started but could only muster three innings. He was followed by Paul Abbott, Joel Pinheiro, and Jeff Nelson, who did not allow a run and only surrendered two hits. With a 1-0 lead in the ninth, Lou Pinella brought in his ace closer, Kazuhiro Sasaki, to put the M's in the history books. After retiring Frank Catalanato and Michael Young, who else but the dreaded Alex Rodriguez stepped up to the plate. On an 0-2 count, Sasaki threw his signature forkball, which Rodriguez waved over to strike out, ending the game and giving the Mariners a tie for the Major League Baseball single season wins record. Unfortunately, the M's would lose the next day four to three, having to settle for a tie of the record. The Mariners then faced the Cleveland Indians in the division series, which began in Safeco Field. And as good as they looked all season, they looked that bad in Game One, getting shut out by Bartolo Colon five to nothing. They came back in Game Two, though, winning five to one. Game three in Cleveland was definitely forgettable. A 17 2 drubbing, which had it occurred during the regular season, Charles Gibson may have pitched. The M's came back once again, though, and won the next game 6 to 2. And also, game five back and home in home and safe go 3 1 to advance to the American League Championship Series against those dreaded New York Yankees. The Mariners, for all intents and purposes, were spent by this time and were eliminated in five games. Oh, what could have been... This is such a special season in the hearts of Mariners fans for so many reasons. Not only having such a season after losing three superstars and fan favorites, but the individual seasons that the team members put together, including the magnificent rookie campaign of Ichiro. He not only won Rookie of the Year, he was the American League MVP as well. He's only the second player to win Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. Brett Boone, who up to that point was known as a streaky power hitter with only a moderate batting average, hit 331 and drove in an American League leading 141 runs. He was third in MVP voting. Mark McLemore appeared in 125 games and hit 284 with a 386 on base percentage while playing all three outfield spots third base, second base, and shortstop. Stan Javier, in what would be his final major league season, was also a valuable role player. Player, an adept pinch hitter and solid outfielder, he appeared in 89 games and hit 292. This was Freddie Garcia's finest season as a big leaguer, going 18-6 with a league-leading 5 ERA. He also led the American League in innings pitched and home runs given up per nine innings. Jamie Moyer and Aaron Seeley were also fantastic as the other mainstays in the rotation, with Moyer winning 20 games. Paul Abbott enjoyed tremendous run support as the fourth starter, and he went 17-4. The bullpen, which was perennially a weakness for the Mariners, was solid this year, anchored at the back by Kazuhiro Sasaki, who saved 45 games. Arthur Rhodes and Jeff Nelson were brilliant as the setup men, and Norm Charlton, in his final season, pitched very well in middle relief. This was also the final season for the beloved Jay Buhner, whose knee problems proved too great for him to continue playing. He didn't see action until September 1st and played mostly left field since Ichiro now occupied right. There are so many other players who made key contributions and had great seasons, I can't name them all. Edgar had another Edgar-like season, John Olerud hit above 300 again and turned in outstanding defense, Carlos Guillen filled the void at shortstop very, very well, Dead Wilson continued to be the glue of the team, Ed Sprague was signed as a free agent midseason and turned into key at-bats. For obvious reasons, the 2001 Mariners season is fondly remembered and remains the team's most successful season i hope you enjoyed this look back at it please remember to download rate and subscribe to this program on google podcast apple podcast spotify stitcher radio or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use follow the show on twitter at lo underscore mariners follow me on twitter at dc underscore lundberg ask your smart device to play locked on mlb upon the conclusion of this program Next week, we'll talk about some more Lou pinella led seasons, beginning on Monday with 1998 and ending on Friday with the sentimental favorites, 1995. I hope you've been enjoying this trip down memory lane. Have a great weekend. This is Joey Martin saying join us back here next time for another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.